We are delighted to have Garrett Kell with us today to discuss his brand new book, Church, Do I Have to Go? Garrett, welcome to the show. Hey brother, great to, uh, great to be here with you. Thanks for having me on. Oh, thank you. Before we get started, just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I'm, uh, I'm a pastor uh, right outside Washington, D.C. in Alexandria, Virginia, and I have uh, one wife. Her name's Carrie, and we've got five kiddos. So it's always live at our house. Yeah. Uh, been a pastor here for about seven years. I was a pastor in Texas before that for about seven years as well. And then, um, yeah, I've been been a believer for I'm almost I'm almost halfway. I've almost been a believer longer uh, than I've been a non-believer. That'll that'll come up here in just a, a couple months. But, yeah, yeah uh, that's so yeah. good. Uh, brilliant. So, how did you come to actually write this book, then, Garrett? Um, yeah, so this is, uh, I was asked to, to be a part of this, this series uh, that, that's come out that uh, Christian Focus is, is, is doing. It's intended to help people who really don't have church background at all mm. to be able to understand some of the key issues that are going on when you're, when you're starting to walk with Jesus about who God is, what the Bible is, and, and about the church. So this is a book that sits within the Nine Marks series. Um, tell us a little bit about Nine Marks and how you got involved with them. Yeah, so uh, Nine Marks is a ministry that's birthed out of uh, Capitol Hill Baptist Church and a lot of the, the people who are involved in it is Mark Dever. Yeah. Uh, Mark has a real heart for the local church. He wants to see churches built up according to God's Word so that they can be healthy, so that the gospel is not only proclaimed, but it's also portrayed in a way that people see it and understand it and feel gospel life. And uh, yeah, so Nine Marks uh, produces resources that are aimed at helping churches address real kind of nitty-gritty, not the sexy stuff that a lot of people are focusing on when it comes to church stuff, but the kind of the nuts and bolts, the plumbing. Yeah. Uh, and it's been yeah, it's been hugely helpful for me as a pastor to be to be working with them. Yeah, so good. You, I know you had Mez McConnell uh, as the cheeky editor on the Nine Marks series. What was Mez like to work with, and how much how much work did he actually do on your book? Uh, oh, listen, I, I love Mez. Mez is nuts, and, uh, but he does for Jesus in a way that yeah. I really resonate with. We've had him preach here at our church a few times, yeah. and God actually used him uh, in his testimony uh, to work in the life of a friend of mine who's, who's now come to come to know Jesus. So oh, wow. love Mez. He had a lot of he had some good good insights here. Um, and uh, Mez is he's a brilliant writer and, and I love that brother yeah, yeah have, to work with him. have you ever had a photo with Mez before Garrett? <laughs> well he has to stand on a box you know and I hope he hears that <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah Mez he's always in his he's always in his CD and always looks like he wants to hit somebody but oh. he really does love Jesus <laughs> I was about to say that I was going to say was he smiling in your photo I was with him a couple of days ago and no. I was really really pleased to get a, fo- a photo with him and I, I walked away after the photo and looked at it and it, exactly that he looked like he wanted to kill me <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's typical that's actually his love language yeah. so <laughs> brilliant you start off your book telling us about a character that you've named Brian um, tell us a little bit about that yeah so the way that the series is written um, each of the books introduces a character, and then you follow the character through wrestling with these various questions. So Brian uh, is actually um, yeah, a character that there, there's some embellishment, but he is you know, he's a guy that I actually knew um, from where I, I grew up back in, in West Virginia, and um, he had some yeah he, he was very much like me in regards to a life of partying and drugs and drinking and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, his life was a bit harder than mine, I think, in, in various ways in regards to his circumstances. But he had a real tragic experience uh, where a friend uh, 
God, um, and it really forced him to question some things about himself, and uh, he just kind of started wandering into church looking for, for answers. Mm-hmm. So, again, the introduction, I, I wanted to hide some of the de- details of his life, but this is, it's based on, on yeah, something that a real person's going to go through when they meet tragedy and they start seeking Jesus, and, and they show up at a church, and all of the things are just brand new, like, what is this place? What's going on here? Why are things the way they are? So we just try and take Brian through a lot of those big questions and, um, yeah, wrestle with them from, from the scriptures. Yeah, great stuff. So break it down for us, Garrett. What is the church and why should people go? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, man. Yeah, so it's, it's funny because I didn't, most of my life I wasn't, wasn't a Christian and I would have, I would have asked the same exact question. So the, the church, one of the most important things we got to understand is the church is not... It's not a place. It's not yeah. just a building, like a structure. That's how I always thought of church. But rather, the, the church is a, it's a people. It's a people who have been rescued by God's grace, pulled out of their sin, pulled into Christ by His mercy, and united together to know God, to mm. love God, to worship God. And so the church is, is, is the people. And, you know, that, that, that shows up in, in local churches where you have local gatherings of believers who get together to worship God, to hear His Word, to live out His Word together with the aim of knowing Jesus, loving Jesus, making Jesus known, and helping each other in the midst of all of our struggles as we head toward heaven. What, what makes a healthy church and what are the signs to look for in a not-so-healthy church? Um, yeah, so I, I think whenever we're asking, like, what am I looking for in a church, what makes a healthy church, what we've got to do is we've got to admit that all of us have biases, yeah. right? So we've, yeah. got to, we've got to check those at the door, and we've got to come to God's Word and say, God, you tell me what I need. Um, so we've got to have the posture of a child who needs to be instructed, which is not our natural tendency. We, we tend to just kind of go on how things feel or seem. Mm. Um, I'm sure there's a subjective sense, but we want to, we want to, we want to come to the Word, and we want, to, we want to first and foremost see, is this a church that takes God's Word seriously? Um, is man's opinion ruling, or is, is, the, is, is God's Word ruling? So, yeah. uh, and the reason it's important is because... We, Jesus warned there's there's going to be false teachers, yeah. uh, and there's going to be deceivers. So we have an enemy, the devil, who wants to lead people away from devotion to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And we've got to know that there there's certainly the deceivers out there. So first and foremost is, does the church preach the scriptures? Does it open the Bible? Does it take all of its cues, not just in what it says from the pulpit, but in the way it organizes itself and the way it seeks to uh, live out commandments? Is, is it all according to the to the scriptures? Yeah. Um, and then I, I think another thing that's going to go with that is, um, is, the, is the gospel central? And when I, when I say the gospel, what I mean is the, the good news that, that, that God enters into our world of suffering and death and sin and into our, our own lives by sending Christ, who lived a perfect life, died the death we deserved on the cross, rose from the dead, and now for anybody who, no matter where you've been or what you've done, turn from your sin trust in him he will forgive your sins reconcile you to god and then you begin this relationship with him mm. and the good news is that god will do that but then the good news continues for believers that god continues to give grace to weak desperate needy people which we never stop being mm. um so when you're looking for a church you want to find a church who is keenly aware that the gospel is there is what rescued them the good news of jesus that jesus rescued them but but that they still need him so there's something about a community that is keenly aware that I need grace. 
I need grace to apply command. I need grace to forgive when we don't apply well within our relationships with one another. And that, that I think, is a huge mark of, of a healthy church. Um, and it's going to show up in other ways in regards to the way they, they think about committed to one another in what you might call membership or yeah. the way you take the Lord's Supper and baptism and all these other implications. But I think Christ his word the gospel has got to be central yeah so good you, you touched on earlier about false teachers if somebody's listening today and they think they might be going to a church where it might be you know the prosperity gospel or a works-based salvation what advice would you give to that person and when is the right time to leave a church garrett yeah well there's a, there's a little bit two different questions but the, the first is, is if you think you might be in a church that's teaching some some false things i, I think one of the one of the things you want to you want to step back and you want to you want to maybe reach out to some other Christian friends who are maybe outside of your circle, yeah. um, and 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 maybe even you know reach out to you guys. I mean, I, I think if they're if they're hearing this podcast, they're going to be a they're going to already be connected with you, and, yeah. and what you guys are doing on your website is highlighting good teaching. Yeah. So maybe they can even reach out to you and say, "Hey, listen, here's our church's website. Here's a couple things I've heard that I'm concerned about." Um, and then maybe, you know, you or some other like-minded ministries, um, like Nine Marks, like, you know, Gospel Coalition, there's yeah, other things that yeah. can point you in the direction of some faithful teaching um, that maybe can, can do some evaluating and help you do some discerning. So, um, yeah, because there's different degrees of, of being off. There's false teachers, there's just error, there's different things. And, and trying to sift through that can be confusing, and I don't think you should try and do it alone. But but as you're doing that, you've got to just keep reading the Scriptures. Yeah, um, yeah. The more you're in the Bible, God God will use His Word to change your heart and your mind, so you're going to think like He does, which will help you to be able to discern uh, between between truth and error. Yeah, so well, the other thing you mentioned was about how do you know when to leave a church? And, mm. and again, if there's if there's false teaching going on, and you come to realize that yeah, they're they're just lying about God, or there's some there's a lot of truth, but they twist a lot of things, and it's just you can't really trust them with your soul. I think you got to you just got to go. I mean, I understand there's going to be friends, friendships, there's going to be people who are going to be confused, but you've got to get into a gospel preaching church where there's yeah. community of people that are going to help you walk with Jesus because there's nothing more important um, than, than your soul yeah. and you need to surround yourself with, with believers who are going to, going to help you. Yeah. Um, that being said, there's, there's also other reasons to leave churches. So if you're in a, a, a church where, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's 10,000 of them. I think we should always be, be slow to leave a church if it does preach the gospel. Yeah. Um, I think you should see what is the trajectory of the church. Is it heading in the right direction? Um, are you trusting the leadership? Mm-hmm. Uh, those kinds of things. I mean, we, we've had people leave, leave our church and um, for, for reasons other than, than false teaching. And uh, there's been conversations where I think they just, for whatever reason, lost the ability to trust the leadership. And yeah. what I explained to them is like, yeah, we will certainly do some things that you may not may not like. And if, if you can't on Sunday mornings sit there in good conscience and receive the word, please go to another gospel preaching church. Mm-hmm. You know, um, mm-hmm. and I would caution people against just to remember that oftentimes, uh, oftentimes they're part of the problem too. Yeah. So we should always be examining our own heart and see yeah. why, why we're leaving what we're leaving. But, yeah, so yeah. good. I think one of the, the assumptions we can make in a conversation like this is we talk about a gospel teaching church, and you know, we, we've got brothers and sisters that are going to churches and they might be listening to this conversation right now, and they might even be confused as to what the real gospel actually is right because they might never never have actually heard it before would, would you just take us through what the real gospel is gary and just take the opportunity right now just to break that down yeah that's that's great so it's 
it's the word gospel literally means good news. It's, yeah. the, it's the best news in the world. That there is God who created us to know Him, to love Him, to enjoy Him, uh, and that the real meaning of life is wrapped up in knowing and enjoying God. Mm. The problem is, though, that we've, we have sinned against God. And when I say we, it began all the way with our first parents, Adam and Eve, and they, they disobeyed God. They didn't trust Him and weren't content with His good provisions, but um, they, they sinned against God, and that brought a curse upon the world. So now all of us are, are born as sinners, and that's mm. why all of our lives are marked in and it looks different for all of us, but we're, it's all marked basically in us saying, I want to rule my life, and I'm going to do what I want to do. And that may be in a super moralistic way. Mm-hmm. You just, you're just going to rule your life by trying to keep everything together, or it may be a complete rebellion where you just indulge in all kinds of you know, uh, various evils. But regardless, all of us are, are sinning, and it's not just breaking a rule, but it's a personal offense against God. Yeah. The God who created us to know him and love him, we, we say, I don't want you. And because that God is good and he's, he's holy, which means he's set apart, because he's good, he will judge evil, all evil, from from the evils of ISIS all the way down to a little moralistic grandma who never said boo. Yeah. Like God will judge everybody's evil. And um, if we die and don't have our sins forgiven, then we will face an eternal hell where mm-hmm. we will be under God's wrath forever. And if that were the end of the story, that would be bad news. But the good news is that God is also merciful. And because he's merciful, he sent his son Jesus, who became a man, who lived a life unlike the one any of us have ever lived, a perfect life, never sinning, always obeying the Father. And then he went to the cross, and on the cross, he died. And the reason he died is because the wages of sin is death. And what what we earn for our sin is death and judgment. But Jesus died and was judged in our place. And then he went into the grave. And... um, there he was for three days, and on the third day, he rose from the dead. He did what nobody else does when they die. He got mm-hmm. up from the grave and rose and proved that he had authority, not just over life and death in the grave, but over uh, our sins as well, and he can forgive them. If we will turn from our sin, which is called repentance, we turn away from sinning, a life of autonomy and rebellion, to, to now follow Jesus it's, it's in faith, and we're trusting in mm-hmm. him for all of our righteousness and, and everything that we need, and that begins a new relationship where we're actually reconciled with the God we were created to know, and it produces a new life. Not one of perfection, but our direction is different. It's now after Jesus, and we're pursuing Him, and we're struggling, trying yeah. to obey Him, whereas before we tried to disobey Him. Mm-hmm. So that message is the message that's good news for, for people who don't know Jesus and are still in rebellion against Him, because they can be saved even now. They return from their sins and trust and cry out. Yeah. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord, they say, yeah. But it's also good news for believers, uh, like like you and me, who know that we still don't have it all together and we need God's help, that He will continually provide it for us if we will but look to Him in faith. Yeah, so, that's, so good. Yeah, that's, a, that's a good news. And that, that, that truth of God's grace towards sinners who don't deserve it is, is the heart of the gospel. Yeah, so good. I think what's important as well is... is the gospel we, we have to keep the, the the main thing the main thing right and often we, we see a lot of people break fellowship around a lot of secondary things you know it can be around you know how old the earth is or you know eschatology where what are the hills to die on garrett in terms of church fellowship yeah that's that's really good so um yeah we have we have lots of friends who are believers in lots of different uh denominations right yeah, and yeah. i think what we've got to understand is that we should be able to fellowship and enjoy friendships with with fellow believers, right? But 
there are also things, um, some things in the scriptures that are not quite as as clear uh, when two believers stand and look at them for some reason. God in his wisdom has allowed some some particular issues to, to remain that um, in conscience we can't we can't fellowship together in regards to Sunday, day in, day out. So for instance, uh, I'm pastor of a Baptist church, which yeah. means that we think that baptism is for for believers. So mm-hmm. if you're a disciple, you should be baptized. Mm-hmm. We actually lease our building to a Presbyterian church um, who sees uh, baptism in a, in a different light in regards to um, you know, the covenant of grace and working with Abraham and all kinds of different things. And and we, we differ on, on who will who will put in the waters of baptism, right? But, yeah. but we Tom, who's the pastor there, I love that brother. We go to lunch, we share the same gospel, we preach the same gospel. I'm happy to recommend people who have different conviction on baptism to go to his church. Um, now, I tell Tom, I think I think we'll be Baptist in heaven, um, but uh, <laughs> he doesn't believe me, and uh, I'm, I'm kidding about that, of course. But, um, but you know, the, there are some things like that, that that I think are good reasons to go, so you know what, we love you guys, but we, we feel before God that this is an issue that's pretty clear in Scripture, and in light of that, we should, we should not... Yeah, not partner together in the same way. Mm. Um, now, there's other reasons that I would say that probably ought not. So, for instance, um, so music styles I think are really important. We're all wired differently. Yeah. But what's most important is, is the content of of our of our singing and that sort of thing. But I've seen churches that, that certainly have divided over you know more contemporary or um, kind of old school hymns, and you know I. I I think we want to be really cautious to start dividing over some of those periphery things yeah. um, rather than it seems much more worshipful to find ways to humble ourselves and learn the songs of fellow saints that maybe we don't like but we know that it warms their soul yeah. so that when we sing yeah. it we're singing it for them and with them yeah. and they do the same for us and so we begin to serve one another and learn that worship is ultimately about God and not about just us getting some experience that we like so mm-hmm. We always want to be careful about being consumeristic in the way we're looking at, at churches, though, again, styles and, you know, cultural, ethnic things that are connected with all of that are, are important. I'm not saying they're not important, but I just think they need to be pursued with humility. So. Mm, that's really good. What, what would you say are the more tricky things you'd, find, you'd struggle to find unity with, Garrett? Um, yeah, so I, I, I think, um, you know, that baptism, again, is, is one... Uh, example. Uh, another might be the uh, the Lord's Supper. Yeah, so, yeah, um, yeah who, who can take this? Is it only members of your local church, or is it um, is it uh, all believers who are you know not walking in sin, or um, or or elements you know that should you use unleavened bread or yeah. wine or grape juice? I mean, there's there's different things that some people kind of really have con- convictions on. Um, yeah. I think another major thing would be uh, church government. Yeah. So. Really, who has authority in the church? Is it the pastors? Is it the congregation? Or is it is there a group outside of your local church that really has control over? That uh, those are those are legit issues. Same thing with like uh, deacons. Um, are, are deacons are women permitted to serve as, as deacons, or is that only reserved for for men? So different yeah. roles of men and women. Yeah. Uh, doctrines of grace. You know, how does God's sovereignty and people's responsibility? How does that all fit together and work together? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I think in a I think in a healthy church there should be some some diversity of of 
uh, on an opinion at some level, but at the same time, I think there's some really significant issues that you can't deny things about God's character and yeah. about our responsibility. Yeah. Um, end times, you know, like, you know, I, I grew up, I went to Dallas Theological Seminary, yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, to, to be a, some churches that have come out of there, for instance, uh, you have to believe a particular end time scenario in order to be a member of their church. And yeah. I, I, you know, with all due respect, don't think that's the best place to draw yeah. the line. I think yeah. there's, there's a lot of, a lot of charity that can be extended. Yeah. Uh, you got spiritual gifts, right? So what's yeah. the, yeah. what's the role of, of, of certain gifts and how are they acting today or not acting? And, um, because there's been a lot of, you know, abuse, but we shouldn't be reactionary. And then also philosophy of ministry, you know, or, are programs central to your church, or is it more of an organic sort of thing, or do you have Sunday school, or not? There's so many things like that that people need to wrestle with, but I think we want to, we want to do it with humility and charity, and, and be careful which of those we are going to draw the lines on and where, yeah. uh, which yeah. takes, again, a lot of prayerfulness and charity and humility. I try and work through a bit of that in the book. What are your thoughts on church membership? Yeah, so this is interesting. Um, so the church I pastored in Texas, when I, we planted that church. Yeah. And when we planted it, we intentionally planted it without without membership because we did not want to formalize friendships. We wanted our love to be organic. We didn't feel like it could be forced. So we tried really hard to create a policy or, or a way of organizing our church that was, that was without uh, definition in regards to, you know, we were really clear on statement of faith what we believed, but we thought that love would happen. Yeah. Um, but as I pastored for seven years with that philosophy, I found that it became really difficult. Mm. Um, and there was some, for instance, one, one passage of scripture that really helped to change my thinking toward where we are now, which is a more clear, formalized uh, membership uh, approach is uh, Hebrews thirteen seventeen, which says, uh, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they're keeping watch over yourself as those who will give an account. What that means is, the assumption there is that every believer should be able to look and say, these are the leaders that I'm obeying and submitting to as they're following the Lord. Every believer should be able to do that. Yeah. And then every leader should be able to look and say, these are the ones I'm going to be giving an account for, their souls before God on the day of judgment. Because I'm not a pastor for everybody everywhere, so I'm not your pastor, right? Yeah, like, I mean, yeah. you, you know, I'm not going to be giving an account for, for you. Now, I'll give an account for the things I say in this, this, this conversation we're mm-hmm. having, but I'm not responsible for your soul in the same way that I'm responsible for Luis's soul, who yeah. I just, we're just in Bible study together, right? So, yeah. um, and... And as we start trying to define, okay, who are the leaders we're submitting to, and who are the believers that I'm intentionally, like as Hebrews would talk about, day by day, as long as it's called today, encourage them not to give in to sin, we start to say, okay, we need to be more clear about who that is. So church membership is, at least the way we view it, it's an an attempt to formalize um, relationships so that we are, yeah, more able to clearly know how to, how to obey Jesus. So, for instance, all the one another command. Yeah. Like, certainly we should love all believers everywhere, yeah. but there's a specific group of believers that we're walking with, and we want to know who those are. So, yeah, church membership for me, and again, we do a bunch of that in the book, is has become really helpful, both for me as a Christian, and also for me as a pastor, 
to 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 give some accountability and to define uh, responsibility that we have for one another as the scriptures lay out. Mm, that's really good. How should a healthy church carry out church discipline, Garrett? Church discipline, you know, as soon as we hear that, everybody has like different kind of reactions because many people think, you know, just you know the the, the scarlet letter of, of just shunning people and all these kinds of yeah, things, but. Yeah. Well, you need to understand what, what church discipline is. I mean, well, I'll start with this. So if people, um, what's one of the biggest objections that people have to Christianity? They say the church is filled with a bunch of what? Mm-hmm. Hypocrites, yeah. A bunch yeah. of hypocrites, yeah. yeah that's exactly yeah. right. And Jesus knows that. And so what he does is he gives instructions to his church about how to guard uh, his name um, among them. And uh, in Matthew chapter 18, for instance, Jesus lays out... Um, a process uh, in which there's a brother or sister who's sinning, and 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 which is going to happen because Christians still continue to, to sin and struggle with sin. And the idea is that he gives three steps: it's it's private, partner, and public. Right? Mm-hmm. So he's if there's somebody sins against you, he says first go to him in private. So don't go to Facebook, don't go to Twitter, don't go start telling everybody else. But you go to them, yeah. and you have a conversation with them, and you guys try and work it out. So in one sense, that level of church discipline should be happening all the time. So if it, I imagine it probably happens, I mean, dozens of times every month or in our church. I hope it's happening all the time. Like that's the mark of a healthy church, that believers are going to to engage one another on how they're living, right? Mm-hmm. Well, if somebody, however, resists that and says, listen, you don't have right over me, you can't tell me what to do or back off or whatever, well, then we need to move to a, a second step, which is a partner, where you're going to go with another believer. Um, sometimes it's a community group leader, small group leader, one of the elders of the church, who go and, and then meet with that person. And again, the goal is always to restore, to reconcile, to bring them back into the fold, to help them to repent. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they do, then praise God. He says, you've won your brother. And that's that's the goal, right? But, but if people don't, eventually, if somebody continues to say, I don't care what Jesus says, and I don't care what his people say about the way I live, there comes a point where the church can no longer affirm that person's profession of faith. So for instance, when somebody becomes a member here at Delray Baptist Church in Alexander, Virginia, what we are saying is, Alexander, Virginia, if you want to know what a Christian looks like, follow follow this person, because they're following Jesus. Mm -hmm. Not perfectly, but Mm -hmm. this is what a Christian looks like. Mm -hmm. If somebody continues to live in unrepentant sin, what begins to happen is they're tarnishing the name of Jesus and his church by living in hypocrisy. So church discipline is the process of eventually, and we hope it doesn't ever come to this, but it does from time to time, Mm -hmm. removing our, as a church, removing our affirmation of that person's profession of faith. Which, which is not with the, not Roman Catholic, like that he have the authority to condemn somebody in the anathema of them. Mm. We, don't, we, we can't do that. Mm. But what we can do is we, we can say that we no longer have the ability to affirm your profession, and we, we encourage you to repent and to, to turn back to Christ. Yeah. And it's a hard process, brother. Nobody, I think if people like doing church discipline, you've yeah. got some issues. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, the fruit, both of glorifying Jesus striking an appropriate sort of fear in the whole church, warning that sinner um, that they, you know, of the, the destiny that awaits them if they don't repent. All of those things are hugely helpful to keeping us to be a holy people and a happy people in Jesus. Once that church discipline's been carried out and somebody might leave the church, what, what sort of tips and how, how do you guys then disciple that person back into the church? Is that is that an easy process? So um, there's no, you know cookie cutter, here's what you do, because yeah. every person is different, right? Yeah, yeah. But 
the, Jesus says, Jesus says we're now going to relate to this person as a, as a Gentile, a tax collector, a yeah. sinner, yeah. which which means that we just simply view them now and treat them like a non-believer. So if we go out to dinner with them, um, then what we're not going to do is just act like everything's cool. Yeah. At, yeah. at some point, we're going to say, hey, listen, I, I want to see how you're doing with that. Like, we're still so concerned about your soul, right? Yeah. Um, now, also, we would we would welcome them to come to church. So people are still welcome. If someone's uh, you know disciplined out of the church, uh, that's out of formal membership. But they're still welcome to come on Sunday mornings, unless yeah. there's some sort of like you yeah. know violation of the law or there's threats to the community or something yeah. like that would yeah. be unique to their situation. But we think there's no better place for a you know, for a, a sinner to be than under the preaching of God's word. So yeah. we would encourage them to, to come and to hear the word and to to, to repent. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think what normally happens is if somebody's in that situation, the people who are close to them will continue to pray for them and reach out. Mm-hmm. Um, and and our hope is always to see people reconciled and, yeah. and restored. And you know, brother, the good news is that it does happen. Yeah. It does happen. Yeah. I mean, I have a letter from from somebody who was who was excommunicated from from church I was part of, who who wrote years later and said, you know what? At the time, it was the worst thing. I thought, but it turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah, because I realized that apart from Jesus and His people, I was I was doomed, and yeah. Yeah. my way was not the right way. Yeah. And churches can certainly do it wrongly and be authoritative and domineering in a way that is sinful. But if it's done by a bunch of people, as Galatians six one and two talks about, who are filled with the Spirit, who know mm-hmm. the grace that they've received, they're going to be gentle and patient and and prayerful and hopeful for for the people who are ensnared in it. Yeah, so good. It's also the most loving thing to do as well, right? I mean, you know, it's the easiest thing to do in the world to turn a blind eye to someone's sin, but I've heard John Piper refer to it before as it's the equivalent of combing someone's hair who's sitting on an electric chair. You you know, the the most loving thing is to, Mm. you know, is to pour that, you know, truth into someone's life, isn't it? With with the hope that they you yeah. know will be reconciled with the gospel again. Yeah, I mean that whole context of Matthew eighteen is is forgiveness. Yeah, it's the lost yeah. sheep, and it's yeah. it's it's the it's the man who has been forgiven much, and that he should he should forgive. So yeah, I mean the the goal is is restoration and reconciliation. Yeah. That's one of the goals. I mean, yeah. there's, we also want to you know protect Jesus's name, which is, is supreme yeah. above all. But um. I mean, just from James, just consider this. My, uh, James, James 5 says this, My brothers, if any of you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, what it doesn't say is that he's a judgmental jerk, yeah, right? Yeah, no, it yeah. says, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering would save his soul from death and yeah. cover a multitude of sins. Yeah, yeah so good. So, we, I mean, we live in a day and age where everybody thinks tolerance is love, and that's not true. Yeah, that's so true. So that's true. not true. So true. I tell people all the time when they come to our membership classes, Please, if I'm ensnared in sin, come after me. Yeah. Don't leave me yeah. to, to die in my sin. Yeah. It's loving to speak truth and to pursue one another in, in love and truth. Amen. Yeah, and I think that's, yeah. that's all of this is going to be seen in a, in a healthy church. Yeah. There's going to be marks of people who are following Jesus. That's so good. Garrett, congratulations on writing this book. Church, do I have to go? We're going to put the um, link uh, where you can buy the book in the description below. Um, Garrett, where can people get in touch with you? I know you're on social media. You do Twitter. Do you do Facebook as well? I'm on on uh, Twitter and Facebook and uh, uh, recently Instagram, but I don't use it tons. But yeah, <laughs> yep. happy, to, happy to interact with you on there. Fantastic. Okay, well, we'll put those links in the description below as well. Um, Garrett, what's next for you? Have you got any other projects you're working on at the moment? I am. Um, you know, 
first, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a husband, uh, yeah. a dad, and a pastor, so I'm full-time there, obviously. But yeah. on the side, I am, I'm, I'm working on a book right now on sexual purity, um, and it's uh, I've been working on it really for about seven years. And uh, part of my, my personal story has to do with struggles with pornography and, yeah. and what it means to, to repent of that and learn to find joy and the purity that, that, that comes with knowing God. And so I'm working on that project right now. So you can, you can pray for that. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that God will use that to, yeah, to, to bless our church and, and then anybody else who might read it. So. Uh, we'll look forward to that. When, when do you think that might be out, Garrett? Uh, I finished all of my edits. A friend of mine uh, right now is working on, on the edits. And when we're done, then we'll, we'll look to see what next steps might be with the publisher. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, great stuff. Well, thank you so much for your time, Garrett. I really, really enjoyed speaking to you. Yeah, thank you guys and your ministry. God bless you. Bless you. Thank you, Garrett. Take care.